is the 10th season of Washington Redskins football coverage on Burgundy Blog and the first episode of the fifth season of Burgundy Blogcast. My name is Brent. Um, for those of you who are new, thanks for listening. For those who are old, welcome back. This is, I think, my first recording in eight months. And if you're wondering what took so long or why I decided to resume, uh, I'll try and give you answers for both of those in this episode. And also some analysis of the first game of the 2019 season, a loss to the Eagles in Philadelphia, and some thoughts on what's still to come. Here we go one more time, for better or worse, and let's face it, almost certainly worse. I've been a Redskins fan for about 27 years, and a blogger for a decade, and a podcaster, believe it or not, for almost half a decade. And my feelings about the Redskins over that period have been occasionally positive, uh, very uh, frequently negative, but uh, always, at least for the last 10 or 15 years, uh, quite strong. Primarily because I have spent so much of my time paying attention to them and studying them. And yeah, generally rooting for them, but more broadly, uh, investing in them. Certainly not money, but lots of time and energy, which I consider to be much more valuable and important commodities. And at some point in my old age, I realized that because the Redskins draw so much of my time and energy and attention, and because these are such precious resources, I should probably have a right to demand and expect at least some minimum return of emotional and mental investment, lest my continued investment become just totally irrational and indefensible. And consequently, I have now very, very strongly considered stopping, shutting down, and or even deleting the blog and the blogcast prior to each of the last two seasons. And in fact, this most recent time, I was pretty darn sure that, yeah, it was actually finally over. Now, of course, I wasn't going to immediately and completely stop watching and consuming all things Redskins. I, I think that probably would have been a little unrealistic. But yeah, I reached a point in my chronic dissatisfaction with the organization where it started to make sense for me to at least stop uh, intensively researching and serially generating unpaid, totally amateur content for quote-unquote recreation. This feeling, again, to be clear, was rooted in my very deep resentment of the owner of the football team and of the president of the football team. My my profound skepticism in the culture that they have fostered, which I believe to be a culture of losing, and which clearly pervades the entire project, uh, no matter how much additional talent is accumulated on the roster. Also, my ambivalence to their middling head coach, as well as my extreme fatigue with the chronic overpromising and excuse-making among the players. But, all of that said, here we are. So, what changed, you might be wondering? Well, uh, absolutely nothing about the team, quite frankly. 
uh, I still think the team is ass. And that the prospects for this season are dismal. And that even with a pretty decent amount of uh, young talent they have assembled, that the middle and long-term prospects are also quite bleak, barring a significant change at the top. So no, it was absolutely not anything about the team that brought me back. But rather, what happened in recent weeks was that uh, I did receive a number of compelling testimonies and votes of support from among you, my crazy, stubborn, masochistic listeners and followers on Twitter, which actually convinced me that in a small way, for a small few, Burgundy Blog and Burgundy Blogcast have actually made the world a meaningfully better place. And those few of you who are responsible, you know who you are. And if you were lying or exaggerating, well, you did a good job. Because I fell for it. So, I'm going to give it another shot. Uh, My expectations are low. And I think yours should be too. But I think that's healthy right now. And if you all are able to help me focus more on stimulating and edifying dialogue about the team and the greater sport, and focus a little less on the uh, absolute futility of the team's actual season, then who knows? Maybe I won't quit early. I have been thinking for months that the Redskins were going to have a bad season this year. Recently on the NBC Sports Washington Redskins Talk Mega Prediction Pod, I forecasted 5-11 and 11 for the Redskins. In addition to all of the aforementioned objections I hold to the very essence of this team, my pep, uh, pessimism can be attributed to their lack of a quarterback who is both experienced and very talented. The fact that the offensive line is missing for the time being and possibly for the duration its best player, and in fact, the best player on the Redskins team. And furthermore, that all of the other players on that offensive line, I guess with the exception of Brandon Sheriff, are some combination of overrated or chronically injured. Also, the facts with regard to the offense that they lack a proven commodity at wide receiver. And I'm skeptical that uh, Jordan Reed will really be ever or at least consistently available to compensate for that need because of the very tenuous health of his feet and brain. Now, I have actually supposed that the Redskins' defense probably would be non-trivially improved over last year, but still probably not to the extent that uh, some, well, many, seem to be hoping and even expecting after adding Landon Collins and Montez Sweat. Really, I think the important thing to remember there is that they have a bad defensive coordinator who they tried to fire and replace, but actually couldn't uh, because they are such an undesirable location for high-level contemporary coaching talent. I also, of course, expected them to lose today in Philly, um, as did most of you, I would think. And, of course, we were proven right about that. But moreover, I'm not sure much really took place to convince me out of uh, any of the anticipations I just listed, 
with the possible exception of what I said about the receiving core, because Terry McLaurin certainly did everything he could today to uh, inspire us that perhaps he'll be a useful target. Anyway, nothing I saw today really compels me to revise my uh, season prediction. The offensive line did look quite a bit better in the first half of today's game than I expected them to at any point, uh, in particular in pass protection. They weren't exactly opening up a lot of huge running lanes for Darius Geis, but at least for pass pro, uh, they actually kind of looked like a better than average offensive line while they were out to that big lead. Second half, not so much. Uh, Keenum was under a lot of pressure. I know that line had at least six accepted penalties on the day. And guys continued to be stymied. So overall, I guess they probably were not quite as bad as I thought they'd be. But that situation, as long as Trent Williams remains AWOL, will continue to totally undermine the offense. Meanwhile, uh, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, I'm not sure that that vaunted Redskins defensive line quite lived up to their rapidly blossoming reputation. I realized that uh, Jonathan Allen went out, I guess, in second quarter-ish with a knee injury. But the rest of that vaunted front seven uh, almost totally failed to bother Carson Wentz very much in that third quarter when the big lead completely vanished. And it was pretty easy to forget that uh, Montez Sweat uh, and Deron Payne were even playing. In the defensive secondary, there were some pretty big problems. Landon Collins looked fine, uh, but certainly didn't do anything today to justify even one-sixteenth of his enormous annual salary. Josh Norman got smoked by Deshaun Jackson. Uh, The combination of Monte Nicholson and Jimmy Moreland also got smoked by Deshaun Jackson on what was probably some kind of communication breakdown, but whatever it was, it was ugly. And honestly, for me, maybe the most exciting defender of the day for the Redskins was fifth-round rookie linebacker Cole Holcomb, who made a couple of really, really nice plays in the backfield. In summary, those of us who uh, dial into social media and read a lot of local reports have been told ad nauseum uh, by most of the beat writers that this Redskins defense is, is totally clearly ready to take it up a notch to the next level. And I'd say we've been told the same in on-record interviews with uh, some of those defenders themselves. But they definitely had enough problems in coverage, tackling, and play calling today that I kind of think you look like a sucker if you're already humming that tune. I guess I better touch on the Adrian Peterson situation, which may very well mushroom into a controversy over these next couple of days. First of all, I understand that Jay wants to roll with Geis, and I don't hate that. He's young, he's good, seems to be healthy. And I understand that uh, activating a backup early down running back, who's not going to help you in any way on special teams, is something that plenty of coaches would very reasonably decide to avoid. However, Adrian Peterson is much more than that brief description uh, to this team and to the league. He, as you know, is uh, an obvious, inevitable first ballot Hall of Famer. He's healthy, and he's still really good. 
uh, as evidenced by his team offensive most valuable player award winning season just last year. And also, by the way, that he looked in training camp and in, in brief action in the preseason. Also, this offense has precious few other viable options right now. Uh, Jordan Reed was out. The receivers are mostly anonymous. Your quarterback was playing his first game in your new system. And even in guys, you know, you have a guy who had never played a full regular season NFL game and who was only even cleared for full contact a couple of weeks ago. So I don't think I'm relying exclusively on hindsight here to say that that move was a risk. And in my opinion, a poorly calculated one. Now, defensible, perhaps, because of the special teams thing, but no, not advisable. And what it did was, as far as I'm concerned, opened Jay up to pretty heavy criticism in the event that it didn't work. And I don't think that it did. I mean, I don't think that Adrian Peterson's absence was the reason they lost. I think they are clearly the inferior team. Uh, but they were able to get out to a quite unexpected big lead, which of course is a situation in which a robust running game would have come in very handy. And what happened is Darius Geis averaged 1.8 yards per carry and the team choked away the lead. So I don't really see how you could make a good argument that that decision paid off. And I think you could make a pretty solid argument that that decision backfired. What I want to say about the Trent Williams fiasco is, first of all, that I do not disagree or have a problem with Bruce Allen adamantly refusing to give Trent Williams a new contract or even inject much more money into the current season right now. Again, I am not going to rip Bruce for playing hardball in this case, so to speak. Trent Williams is making a lot of money already. And he is getting up there in years, and he does tend to miss some games. However, if I were to eventually be informed or convinced that Bruce Allen had turned down or refused to consider a trade offer of anything adding up to a mid-first-round pick or more, then yes, I would register a major beef with that stubborn decision. Because right about now is a great time to get good value for a 31-year-old Trent Williams. But, 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 much more importantly than either of those two potential conditions or scenarios, in, in my opinion, is the humiliating, catastrophic failure represented by this organization's failure to maintain a healthy, functional relationship with its best and currently most indispensable player. One who had maintained his loyalty and support for the organization for so long through a dark, dark period over which he easily could have given hope and given up hope and forced his way out. Trent Williams in past years has spoken up for, caped for, if you will, head coaches who didn't deserve his allegiance uh, starting quarterbacks who probably did not deserve his unconditional support. He's often played through sometimes very severe injury at times when it would have very easy would have been very easy to not do so. And he's homegrown 
and he's really good. He's one of the few players the Redskins have had over the last 10, 15 years that pretty much every other team has been jealous of. And obviously, he's no choir boy, but he has legit credibility and authority and gravitas in that locker room. And somehow, through a mysterious combination of medical negligence and arrogance and poor communication skills, and importantly, constant failure to build a winning team that would get him national publicity in his legitimate quest for a gold jacket, the Redskins alienated him and seemingly have pushed him away, possibly to the point of no return. Now, to that breakdown, I have very, very strong objections, and frankly, I think it ranks right up there with the mishandling of RG3 and Scott McLuhan and Kirk Cousins and the rest of the Mount Rushmore of Redskins failures over my adult life. I want to say a few things about Dwayne Haskins to close because he was not on the team the last time I did a Burgundy blogcast. And of course, he might be the future. I wouldn't say I was his number one biggest fan going into the draft, but I certainly wasn't a hater. And I think that he was fairly appropriately drafted by the Redskins at number 15. Since then, I'd have to say I think he actually looked a little bit better even in preseason than I expected him to. Obviously, it'll take him a little bit of time, or maybe a lot of time, to really fully grasp the many thousands of nuances of a pro offense. But to me, he uh, is so clearly vastly superior to Case Keenum and Colt McCoy in terms of arm talent, and also pretty, pretty obviously able to move around effectively inside and, and a little bit outside the pocket, and also to protect himself and take a hit. That for me, he probably would have been my opening day starter, my week one starter. I mean, I just don't really see exactly what there was to lose. And I mean, Keenum came out today, and uh, at least in the first half, he was he was pretty effective. I mean, he, he put up some great numbers in the first half, and he hit McLaurin on a long bomb. But later, he did miss McLaurin on a long bomb when he was equally wide open. And you do have to wonder a little bit, would uh, would old Dwayne have, uh, have hit Terry on that? play that the two of them ran so many times together back at Ohio State. Anyway, I'm not going to kill Jay for not throwing him out there to the wolves, so to speak, because uh, certainly with this issue, there's a good case to be made on the other side. But uh, I will also add, uh, it would have been nice to see Dwayne really allowed to legitimately compete as a candidate for the QB1 role, because that didn't happen. I don't know if Jay was like actually afraid to do that in the absence of Trent Williams. But for whatever reason, we just didn't even see him enough with the starters in the preseason. And, and by all accounts, he didn't he didn't even practice rep enough with the starters in preseason for him to have ever even actually been considered a viable eventual winner of the job. Certainly as this season goes on and these losses mount, I'm going to be hoping to see him sooner rather than later. Because you got to figure out what you have in him. you got to figure out if you can plant your flag in him, so to speak. And I think it would be pretty stupid to roll into next year with him as essentially an untested rookie. 